Matthew 24, from verses 42, moving on, he says the following. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, that if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house to be broken into. Verse 44. So, you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect. Then, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants of the servants in the household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing what he do, doing so when he returns, doing what he was assigned, the, the, the main duty, the major duty, when he returns, I tell you the truth, I will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant is wicked, and he says unto himself, my master is staying away so long, and then he begins to beat his fellow servant and to eat and drink with a drunkard. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect in fact, the day when he least expects, in other words, he does not expect him, and at an hour, in, at an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him off. He will cut him into pieces of the final place where there will be, where the hypocrites are, where there will be the, the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. So essentially he says, if anybody does not prepare and engage himself in the main duty, the main duty for which you were created. If anybody does not engage himself in the main duty for which the master plan assigned men, he's saying he become a hypocrite because it's absolutely clear what the church ought to be doing now. So in this addition here of uh, Matthew 24, the Lord essentially saying the following. He's saying there is a principal cardinal duty that the pastor was given to prepare an immortal church, an imperishable church, incorruptible church that, that can be able, that will be able, and can be able to inherit the imperishable, immortal, incorruptible kingdom of Yahweh. And then we translate it, we can extrapolate it to the sheep. He says all of us, all the church, have been given that same duty the cardinal duty of preparing for the immortal, imperishable, incorruptible kingdom of God. And so he's saying that uh, right now when you look at the earth, when you look at the church on the earth, people are busy doing another duty other than that which the Lord brought them upon the face of the earth to accomplish. They are focusing on the perishable realm, huh? Why the Lord is saying, eternity is already beckoning this generation. The stairs have been low. It has never been so vivid, uh, Senior Bishop, uh, Deputy Bishop Whitty. It has never been so vivid, so clearly said. Because remember the subsequent part of that prophecy, the one to be fulfilled, the church actually climbs up and goes to heaven. So this is amazing that the Lord is engaging in the church on a very frontal one-on-one -on -one direct conversation. You don't need much revelation on this. 
but the whole thing of eternity coming knocking is astounding as it is bewildering. Because he says, like a thief, in an hour you don't expect, in a flash, in the twinkle of an eye, and then to warn you before, how much belovedness then? Or how much unprepared then are they for God to be so concerned? Let me flash eternity to them if it can change their course of action. Hallelujah. So this is what we are handling now. That the way God created, and as I navigate you and go through this entire journey through Scripture, I am really bringing to you God's inscription on how He designed His master plan for men. That in there, He placed an irrefutable mark that this life is vapor. This life is temporary. This life evaporates. It doesn't the way. And we need further to see that. Right away from the book of James chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1 as we advance our conversation in the noonday. What an awesome thing to do. James 1. The book of James chapter 1 verses 9 to verse 11 I read. James chapter 1, 9 to 11. This is what it says. Again, James chapter 1, 9 to 11 it says. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride of his high position. Then he says, but one who is rich should again, but one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and without the plant, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade, will, will fade away, rain away, fade away, even while he goes about his business. So again, we meet another moment when the Lord was raising a red flag unto the nation, unto mankind, and to humanity, creation, saying, look, just go about whatsoever you are doing, but well aware that the life you behold is constrained, is time constrained, is constricted according to time, it's a vapor, it's passed away. So then you have to make rational decisions as in what you want to do with this journey, with this ownership involved in. What do you want to prioritize as your duty? We have seen in Matthew 24 that the Lord gave us all the duty to prepare for that day. The Christ on the day of the instruction upon this earth, when the Lord places you upon this earth, you ought to be prepared in readiness for that unknown day. We say that very clearly. And that in that process, then there are two types of people. There are those that hear the instruction and do the duty assigned to feed themselves and feed the others with the right word. It simply talks about how do you nourish yourself with the word and how do you find out Christ before the Messiah comes? How do you feed them at an hour that is proper, set, the hour of hunger, in other words? We know too well that this generation is hungry. The hour of hunger is here. And you know, normally when hunger sets in, People can easily eat anything from just the mid-French fries, grab them, eat water, anything on your way. 
But you see, that is what is happening today. But he's saying, who then is that wise Christian believer that I put down there to take charge of the matters that I burned out my house? To feed my people, my people, with the right food at the proper time. And he said, that is the cardinal duty of creating men. But now, on another duty, men is. They are fending for the perishable. He said, oh, no, 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 no. He already said it out in scripture very clearly that owing to the temporariness of this life, owing to the temporal constriction, limitation of this life, he said, we ought to be rationally, just by rational decision, be focusing on that which last, which is eternal life. And now eternity has finally come to us, beckoning man. But just a moment, are you aware that heaven is waiting for you? By lowering the stairs. And then now you see from the book of James, it says, in a nutshell, if I summarize it for you, what we read in James chapter 1, 9, 11, it's essentially saying that this life is passing away. Wealthy or not, it's passing away. And so I'm simply underscoring for you, I'm raising benchmarks and stakes, stakes the Lord takes in the Bible, that really point mankind in terms of his creation, the blueprint of his creation, pointing mankind to one thing, one and only thing saying, your life is temporary, please, wake up and focus on that which matters, wake up and focus on that which lasts. It was eloquently well said in the Bible. Nobody can say, oh, you see, Lord, yeah, I ain't on a thing about that. I didn't even see it. No, no. It is, I'm going through scripture to get you those landmarks that the Lord placed, which were essentially meant to be magnetic not to guide you. If you're trying to steer away, to redirect you towards your magnetic north, you have to come up then, eh? which is supposed to be heaven, beloved people. And so, as we move on, beloved people, I am reading from the book of Job, chapter 14, verse 12. Same, still underscoring the same principle that he laid down when he created you, the believer, who is still listening to me now. Some of you from your offices, some of you in your workplaces, your task, selling, Empesa, airtime, Moga in your restaurants, hotels, uh, schools, stuff, whatever it is you are. He's saying, this is what he embedded in you. And so when Ecclesiastes 3 came up, Ecclesiastes 3.11 came up, the Lord was simply saying, Ecclesiastes 3.11, that he embedded in that scripture, in you, was essentially to bring this awareness to you. This awareness of our temple blessing, that in whatsoever you do, you are always constantly going to be reminded and aware. Because if you can just say, a divine name planted sense of awareness, that across all the ages continues to cause awareness. The life on this earth here is for sure passing away. Hallelujah. And therefore, no reason for complacency. You wonder then why the complacency that has really consumed the Christian church in Australia, in Adelaide, in Melbourne, in Sydney, and all these places are uh, in parts. And you, you cry, you weep, you say, no, please, no. How come you claim not to see this? What is so clear that God created us with a sense of awareness that this is passing away. This is like a vapor. This is temporary. This will evaporate. Like a flower blossoming today and tomorrow withers away. Hallelujah. 
And so the book of Job chapter 14, if we had to advance this conversation in the London and probably nighttime Australia, hallelujah. What time is it in Australia? Around and about? Because now I don't know what time, what is your, now it's about uh, 20 to 4. What time is it in Australia now? Nah? I know someone already put the answer in here loud in Australia. But that's not midnight, right? Can you imagine the, the same world? I mean, the whole world is this message at the same time. The book of Job chapter 14, Job 14, verse 12, it still raises the same thing. And my purpose and duty today, my duty to, to come before you today, is to be able to raise a case, to present a case, that the Lord already placed hallmarks in your life and in the world that should constantly be reminding you of how temporary this life is and then cause you to reprioritize your effort towards that which lasts forever, which is eternal life. And the capacity to take it, by the way, that's why love is says. So the book of Job chapter 14, I'm reading verse 12, it says, So man lies down and does not rise. Again, Job 14 verse 12 says, so man lies down and does not rise, till the heavens are no more. Man will not awake, and be ar- all be aroused from their sleep. And then he goes on to say, beloved people, he goes on to say the book of Job, that is Job 14, verse, uh, two, verse 2 also says, He springs up like a flower, and withers away. Like a fleeting shadow, it does not endure. So, you know, there is so much in Scripture. In fact, now, even the way you look at Scripture is probably changing. You know, just a moment. This Scripture was, the Bible was actually an apparent warning. An apparent warning to man that, be careful, you are simply a pilgrim, a lawyer, a sojourner, a visitant. You are simply visiting over there. So please, the earth is not your home. What is now coming out very clearly, ever since I began this afternoon, is that actually the Lord has raised significant caution warning across generations, across the ages, across time, ever since creation, that when we come on the earth, we cannot be passing. We cannot be ignorant. The mere fact that one can live and fall sick and become unhealthy and sick hospital and fight for his life until the until back to normal again, that, that should be a warning shot. But please prepare for eternity. These things are not permanent. This life is not eternal here on the earth. It fades away the way God puts it. It's like a flower. And then winters away, fades away. And the book of Isaiah chapter 40 verse 7, as we continue this conversation, and as you can see, I am simply walking through scripture and raising for you the whole back that the Lord did set before you before men. In other words, I'm saying these are the hallmarks he implanted in you. You the Christian believer, you you this is the awareness you have as a person. As a believer, as a Christian, you are very much aware, whether you are a pastor, it doesn't matter who you are, what rank you behold, whatever, wherever you work, 
this constant awakening awareness is alive in you. Oh, how more alive then does it become when men run into significant health problems? But the book of Isaiah chapter 40, I'm reading verse 7, this is what he says to add on to the military cascade of this conversation. He says, he says, the grass withers and the the grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. Hey, I tell you, it has never been clearer that the generation has to now turn around and about and focus on eternity. Because he's saying that people are like grass. People are grass. He says, blossom today, maybe rain on a little bit here, they're greening around, healthy and blossoming and flourishing, but come tomorrow, now you see pouts. You see the withering. You see the collapsing. They're dying. Oh, how powerful to realize, beloved people, the futility of this life. That is all I've been raising since I began. How futile life on the earth And he says, you cannot bank on it. Tomorrow I'll do this. The other day, how? How do you know whether you'll make it until tomorrow? How do you know whether you'll make it until tomorrow? Nobody knows the hour. The prerogative to life is God. He has all the prerogatives to life. And they say that is invincible. Which means thou hast no control over it. And how beautiful to now decide to spend some quality time of your life or with your life preparing for eternity. This is all the awakening I'm bringing to the four ends of the earth today. That, beloved people, God is not mistaken to lower the glorious stairs of heaven into the sky, the glorious stairs of eternal life, the glorious stairs of beautiful So you could say he's opening the generation into his glorious eternity. But even much more significant is the process of preparation while you're here. Which means it's warning them that look now, priority, because already they were made with the grandmother plan. The blueprint is already in you, alive, constantly awakening you that look, you are like a vapor, you are temporary. You find men boasting around on what they have, and what they do, and what they say, and what they eat, and all this. And yet the Lord has already very significant hallmarks in the Bible, telling them that just be careful, these things on the earth don't last. Life here is short-lived. I don't know what your short-lived is, but it's 90 years. But remember, eternity is eternity. That if there is a generation that should really prepare and mark for eternity, this one, because eternity has come, nothing and bacon in them. Hallelujah. What a belovedness of God, what happened. Hallelujah. And so as we move on now, Isaiah 40, we've read verse 7. And I would like, like to, Isaiah 40, verse 7. And let's move on to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 30. Again, another reminder that nobody should ever take a surprise. God is now calling people to enter his eternity. Oh, I'm so surprised, so how do I do? I don't know how to do this. No. This has been a living reminder. If we are really going to premise this on Ecclesiastes 3.11, which is our overriding scripture, it's like he's implanted in you, it's alive. It's constantly reminding you that this is like a vapor. This does evaporate. It does it away. 
Hallelujah. What an awesome time. What an awesome generation. And I know my message is so long, I don't know how far I can stretch you, but we can move on for as long as we can try, right? So the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, generation being reminded to reorganize ourselves quickly and refocus ourselves out to eternity. To stop what she's doing and quickly get ourselves together, you say get yourself to sort yourself out and begin working on your eternity. Hallelujah. What a blessedness the Lord has laid before the nations on this wonderful bright sunny summer day, sunlight on this side of the earth and midnight on the other side. And he's saying Matthew six thirty. Let us read Matthew six thirty and see what he says in this very context of the perishability of the life on this earth and the need to focus the, 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 the profitability, the how profitable it is to focus on the eternal, that which is eternal. And if you are right hand, yes, so that's Matthew chapter 6, I need to read that. Even that 5 was beautiful, you know. <laughs> if your right hand does actually cause you to do things that will not earn your place in eternity, or that will cause you to forfeit your eternity, then please you rather enter heaven with one arm and live eternally than to go to hell with both arms. <laughs> I tell you, Matthew 6 30. He says the following. What I get there ready for you. And he says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, again, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow the grass, uh, tomorrow thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you? All you of little faith, and it goes on and on. But I just wanted for a moment to crank, to link up for you. Man is like grass. Man is like grass, the Lord says. And then now, the narrative about the grass is that grass is temporary, is here today, and tomorrow goes. When you see the synonym, you see. Just how fatal it is for anyone to bank and invest all their effort and life on the processes and the proceeds of this life. Because he's saying here now that the grass is temporary. And the other scripture said, you are God. Yes. And then, the other thing you see very clearly about this is that the Lord is saying that at this time, it will not matter however much you're flourishing on this earth. There, there seems to be a common destiny. <laughs> there seems to be a set destiny set by the concealed wisdom of God. We have a chamber of wisdom in heaven. They have set a destiny for this, for the humanity. And so it's very important that everybody wakes up. You say, get up and smell the roses. Or get up and smell the coffee. You say, you say they wake up and realize that God has already predetermined the end of this timeline we're working on. It will come to an end at one point. And the Messiah will come. There is a day that has been set. And it will be such a tragedy to be able to sit wherever you are sitting to hear, to listen to such one here, or here, you're in fact here to listen to such wonderful sermon about eternity, a sermon that is redirecting and causing people to change course. 
from the perishable of this earth, of this life, to the imperishability of eternity, and then meet eternity. This is all the tragedy I'm talking about. But that tragedy, you can almost tell, it's in, it's in the making, it's rolling out. Because I'm going through the scriptures and simply raising for you the text where God placed his hallmark that are supposed to have acted as constant reminders to people, to a church, to a generation. That look, you are temporary. Look, like a vapor you are. There is a cardinal duty to prepare yourself and others within your divinity. Feed your children, feed your church, or just your neighbors. And so, it would be wonderful for that servant whose master comes at the hour on a day and hour not known and finds that master doing that cardinal job of preparing himself and this is no way you can prepare people that you are preparing yourself. Yes. yes, so that you may prepare people around you or under your jurisdiction for yourself, for eternity, beloved people. Let me keep running on because of time. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, as we run on, we are still on this train, this very massive tsunami, the big ship that is moving like a storm in the ocean, across the nation, awakening the nation, and shaking them to get up and realize that the bells are ringing. Heaven has come knocking. Eternity is beckoning now. How beautiful now in the church, beloved people. How awesome a generation you are. But how does one then waste it away? You listen to all this and then waste it away. It's almost unfathomable, right? The book of First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 30. I'm reading First Corinthians 7, 30. Again, First Corinthians 7, 30. We're reading 30 to 32. First Corinthians 7, 30, 32. This is what he says. Don't woman as if, again, First Corinthians chapter 7 with me, beloved people, 30 to 32. It says, those who mourn as if they don't. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something, if it were not theirs, as if it were not theirs, to keep. Those who use things of the world, this world, as if not engrossed in them. For this world, in its present form, is passing away. Hallelujah. And the Lord raises caution and caution and caution and repeated caution and constantly and relentlessly so to this generation. But please, in whatever you do, let me tell you this. If you really sit down for a moment and expound yourself, you decide to sit down and go into the deep in terms of your conception of this entire narrative of glory of the tale of the, the flashing of eternity to a generation, to awaken them up, to stir them up, to be able to grasp it, to grab it, to take it. So I see as though the Lord is saying, other than going into a feast on this earth and celebrating and enjoy a party, you know, cakes are served, cream cakes and the Fanta, uh, I mean, the orange, uh, that kind of color, nice party drinks. 
of orange and what celebrate a birthday or whatever it is, Fanta orange or whatever. He says, other than that, you'd rather go into a funeral where there is a burial taking place. Because he says at that funeral, you might learn a thing or two about eternity. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord is not a joke. The awakening, the Lord is pushing deep into the hearts and souls of men right now. They transcend the borders of your conventional wisdom. He's saying, you'd rather choose, you'd rather you go to a funeral where people are in a funeral and sit there and listen to the proceedings and hear and witness how someone is being brought and ask substantive serious questions of gravity. And envisage yourself as all tailored by God to have this common ending. And then cause you to stir you up, to shake you up, and cause you to change course and now start preparing for eternity. But it's such a noble conversation, a mega conversation that surpasses ranks surpasses the rank and file of men. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 1, and again I could go on and on, this is a non-stop conversation. He says, and later I'll bring you to another dimension where he says life is like a wind. You can't catch it. <laughs> it's passing away. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he says, the book of Psalm, of First Peter, let's begin with First Peter. First Peter chapter 1, 22, 23. First Peter 1, beloved people, Primera Pedro, in Paniol, Primera Pedro, versículo 23, I have to say it different in English also, First Peter chapter 1, verses 23 to 25, that's what I'm talking about. First Peter chapter 1, beloved people, First Peter 1, 23, 25. First Peter chapter 1, 23, 25. This is what he says here. So I begin 22, 2 is all right. He says, again, First Peter chapter 1, verses 23, 25, but I'm reading 22. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, Love one another deeply from your heart. Now 23, which was our real focus. He says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. That is very powerful. He's beginning to say, that in all these narratives, you that are born again, you that are born again, you have been born of an imperishable seed. So you have been facilitated, beloved people, to listen to these things, to understand them, and to be able to begin to work on them, to work on your eternity, says here. And he goes on to say, For all men are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field, the grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of God stands for 
and ever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. And I said, my assignment here today was to be able to deposit, make a deposition before you, a submission before you, to submit before you, that the Lord in his grand master plan of creation, he already laid significant substantive caution all over you in your life and work that this life is temporary, life is vapor. You know, you can talk of something temporary. Let's say you hold it and within a month it does shrink a little bit or tear a little bit and another six months down the road it's a bit starting to tear a little more and so forth. But can you imagine a vapor? A vapor just vanishes away within the instant of the moment. If that is both characterization and categorization of this life of man upon the earth, how much more should we be spread up to run, to run and begin preparing right away? How much more, beloved people? And so the Lord is speaking in very clear terms here to you that surely, surely indeed, there is no reason whatsoever under the sun for any man to say that, well, I was not aware, therefore I did not prepare. He's saying if there is a generation that should populate heaven and flood it, I want to hear that more room is being extended in heaven for a generation. Because they have decided all in unison as one man that they are all going to heaven to shave the devil. Yeah. Hallelujah. He says, Psalm 103, verse 15. He says, like grass. Like grass art thou. Psalm 103, verse 15. He says the following. As for men, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. And the wind blows over it, and it's gone. Wow. For beloved people, it has never been well emphasized with the backing, with evidence of the stairs, Lord. And the Lord does expect that this generation will make a rational decision. You simply have to be rational. And choose the eternity that has been lowered before them and begin to prepare in earnest. The Lord really does expect that there will not be any misunderstandings on this matter because it's as clear as day is from night. Hallelujah. And it goes on in Isaiah chapter 40 from verse 6 on to 4. And we are still focusing on this tremendous perishability of life on the earth. This tremendous constriction the way God has constricted and constrained life on the earth, time-wise, that life must begin here and end here. And that that should have been a trumpet, the red flag, should have been an awakening to the church, and they should have just made the right decision and said, no, I choose eternity because it lasts forever. The book of Isaiah chapter 40, I'm reading 6 to 12, and he says the following, Isaiah 46 to 12. He says, A voice says, Cry out. A voice says, Cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? Then he says, All men are like grass, 
and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Uh, I think by now you're quite astounded that the Lord has ra had raised such significant question in the Bible on how the life of man is like grass. And now it has come out very vividly clear that therefore you should instruct how you govern and navigate your Christian lifestyle. He's saying, the grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. Then he goes on to say, the grass withers, withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. Then he goes on to say, you who bring good tidings to Zion, and on and on, because from that point on now, it talks about the beauty of the word of God, the power of relying on God, on prioritizing on God, and worshiping and going to the mountain of the Lord. He's saying that now lasts forever. That is worthy of the creation he molded from his hands. He says so. Isaiah 51, 12, as we begin to slowly turn the corner a little bit, Isaiah 51, verse 12, beloved people. He says the following. Isaiah 51, 12. He says, Isaiah 51, 12. He says, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mortal men? The sons of men who are but grass. Hey. Beloved people, the Lord is speaking in very clear terms to this generation. He's saying that this generation has been characterized by the pursuit of sin and evil. The pursuit of sin wickedness and evil, deliberate pursuit. And he's saying that they don't fear God. They have no fear of God. They don't obey God, he's saying. Neither are they concerned about his laws and requirements. And therefore, he's sounding a warning that this is the hour for this generation to change course because the eternity has finally come knocking. Eternity has come beckoning. So we will continue after a short, uh, after a, whether it's a long break or so, but we will continue with this message further on. But this is what I wanted to bring to you in the noon day, in a bright sunny summer day, to continue creating a continuous awakening in the hearts of men and the souls of men in very simplistic but very profound manner that this generation may reprioritize eternity in their lives and prepare for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And again, remember that the glorious chairs of God in heaven essentially announce the glorious coming of the glorious Lamb of God, Christ Jesus the Messiah. Shalom to the Thank you.